Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. season edition this is brian joined by john and brad as always john how are you doing doing great brian how are you doing oh i'm just well the panthers have more coaches now so we get to talk about that brad <laughs> more coaches this just add just tacked them on there yeah yeah just adding them in <laughs> filling in those roster gaps brad how are you i am okay <laughs> a lot of exciting <laughs> things going on in 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 Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's there's a very, very many things, and we're definitely not at the point of the offseason where there isn't a whole lot to talk about. Um, but one thing that we that the Panthers did over the last couple weeks that we didn't get a chance to talk about yet is the Panthers hired Ben McAdoo as their offensive coordinator to the, I guess, very meh reaction of most of Panthers Twitter, aside from the people who vote on brad's poll for some reason most of them really like that hire it's not my poll but yeah the sb nation reacts sb nation reacts it's not mine well you posted Um, it so it's yours okay but yeah 70 percent of our react survey takers thought that hiring Bing mcadoo was a good idea Uh, well the question is um do you do you like it i think was the way we worded it or do you support it or whatever, or you or approve of it? I think is the exact words. And 70% of our users said, yes, um, we didn't ask everyone. Um, those of you who have let me know uh, that we did not ask you, I'm sorry, um, but you can sign up for our react surveys and take part in all of them if you want. But, you know, I, I, I don't hate it. Like I, it's a meh thing. Like it's been meh kadoo. And I don't think it matters to be honest with you. Like, I don't think it matters who we hire because we still have Sam Darnold as our quarterback. Like it doesn't really matter. There's no, I don't think you can play call your way to success with Sam Darnold at quarterback. I just don't know if that's possible. So the way I was, I was uh, phrasing it on Twitter was, there's no, regardless of what you think of the Ben McAdoo hire, he is not going to be the reason the Panthers sink or swim this season. Nope. Now he good, might be the he might be the scapegoat if we fail, but oh, yeah. he's not. Yeah, he's uh, not going to be the reason. Matt Rule's got that like yeah. bag. 
Like yeah. no, nobody's taking that title from Matt Rule <laughs> if the Panthers fail. Yeah. My I thing mean, with it. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You go ahead. No, you. I'll okay. go. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Uh, there's a couple like layers to it. I think. So for one, I don't think like we have to kind of like grade the higher with the, on the understanding that like this is not a good situation for uh, like a prospective offensive coordinator to want to come into and obviously that's the Panthers own doing so there's like you know it's not like we're like oh there's nothing we can do about it no one wants to work here it's like well yeah cuz you're doing a bad job but in terms of like this hire kind of in a vacuum like i think it's pretty well documented that most of the league and most of the people around the league think that Matt Rule is kind of a dead man walking and that this is a dysfunctional organization. And Matt Rule basically is probably like the number one, like going into next season, Matt Rule is probably the top candidate of like who is most likely to get fired first. Yeah, because everybody that was ahead of him on that list got fired. Exactly. So two weeks ago. So yeah, he's at the top of that list. So if you're like an offensive coordinator, especially like an up and coming guy, which I think everybody always wants like the the up and coming guy, like you're not going to want to go into this situation where you think the coach that hires you is going to get fired after a year. And now you kind of have that stench on you of like, yeah, he got, you know, he worked for the Panthers who had a disaster of an offense. Like, why are we going to give that guy a job? Especially when you also have considered the quarterback situation uh, on top of the uncertainty in the coaching staff circle. So like with all that considered, I don't think there is really much chance of there being a home run hire. No, and, you know, McAdoo, the benefit for him, he he is the guy that if we fire Matt Rule after week seven, when we're like one and six or whatever, he's the interim head coach because he's the only one with experience doing that. So, you know, he Uh, has that little. Oh, that yeah. Well, special teams coordinator that we'll talk about later. But yeah, like he has that carrot dangled in front of him that he could potentially be an interim head coach. And, you know, he was a, a consultant with Dallas, I believe, uh, before we hired him. And his last real job in the NFL, not real job, but his last job in the NFL was with the Jaguars. So he's kind of used to being around dumpster fires. <laughs> and and before that, you know, he was the head coach of the Giants. And a lot of people are going to say that this is a bad move because of him being the head coach of the Giants. That Look at that roster. And look at that situation he was in. He stood no chance. Like, he he had no hope there. And when he was the offensive coordinator, he was actually pretty good. Like, he took Kelvin Gilbride's offense and turned it into quality. And, you know, I'm not saying he's going to do that here. I'm not saying he's going to be great. I'm not saying that we're going to be terrible. We're just probably not going to notice much of a difference. Yeah, I think the Ben McAdoo is kind of like the exact profile of a candidate that would take this job. And it's someone who has flamed out previously and has a pretty bad reputation, you know, publicly. Not like, you know, personally, but in terms of his accolades. Because like you just talked about, he flamed out so badly as the Giants head coach that he was out of the league for a few years. And so I think for him, it's like my best chance to kind of get back into, you know, higher level coaching positions is to get myself in a situation where I could, like you said, be an interim head coach if Matt Rule gets fired or if things happen to get turned around, you know, he's going to get a lot of the credit for it, but depending with how bad things were last year. 
Yeah. Um, and he could turn that into a, a head coaching gig somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. Cause, and then to, like you said, this, uh, the offensive coordinator resumes, I mean, it's only two years, but it was fine. Like they, they went from being very bad to being average to being good. And then he got the head coaching job. So they were turning yeah, in the right direction they, as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, they went from 26th the year before he got there to 13th in his first year. And they were the sixth highest scoring offense his last year as an offensive coordinator. And that was the year that they lost their left tackle, their number one wide receiver, their number one tight end. And Eli Manning was a skeleton of his former self. Like, yeah. So he does have talent as far as being an offensive coordinator. I don't know if it's going to translate to Carolina where we have Sam Darnold, potentially a rookie quarterback, no offensive line. Whether Christian McCaffrey may or may not ever be healthy again. So I, I don't think it's going to be, it can't be any worse than it was last year on offense. It, it, yeah. it cannot be much worse. So I don't think anyone should be upset with this hire. I don't think anybody should think this is a terrible hire. So I, cautious optimism is probably the best thing to have right the only now. Other thing that I thought was kind of noteworthy about it, and I don't know if I should think of it, it like I don't know if it's something that I would consider an annoyance or if it's like a benefit. But I guess given all of like kind of the nepotistic hirings we've had in this organization from Ron Rivera up until now, um, the fact that we, you know, how Matt Rule was very. Uh, fond of Tom Coughlin and Tom remember when he got hired Tom Coughlin was the name he brought up a lot and how he's like turned to Tom Coughlin for mentorship and all that stuff mm -hmm. and th when we need a new offensive coordinator we hire Tom Coughlin's last offensive coordinator yeah so it's kind of like the Ron Rivera Norv Turner thing so I don't know if like we would not have been under in the running for Ben McAdoo if it weren't for the Tom Coughlin connection which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing and I don't then, know. Yeah, I mean the uh, the but, other the other guy we interviewed twice was Jay Gruden. So like it, we were gonna get yeah, which is know, also we were, we were gonna get just a guy either way. Like and Jay Gruden fits the same kind of profile as Ben McAdoo, right? Like guy yeah. that pretty failed pretty spectacular in his last gig and needs some some just needs a hail mary to try to um you know try to fix his image. So. I would have preferred Jay Gruden, to be honest. But so I, I, I'm kind of, I, I'm a little ticked off about that the report got out that David Tepper supposedly expected a superstar offensive coordinator. Because really, no, no, the no, best... no, 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 rock star. Yeah, not right. superstar, rock star. So, so, Didn't say how good of a rock star. Yeah. So. The reason why is because actually hiring someone like Ben McAdoo or Jay Gruden actually makes the most sense because we've been seeing it for the last few years where the Panthers don't really fully move on from a coaching staff. Like, for example, they moved on from Ron Rivera, but they kept Marty Herney around. And they also kept around Jay Chase Blackburn, which granted, I feel like he was actually a decent special teams coordinator. So Matt Rule filled in with his nepotism hires. And then now we're sitting here with Scott Fitterer, who they just hired last year, Matt Rule. And then Matt Rule would have had to bring in some guy who theoretically would have had a long-term connection to the organization. At least that was the expectation that was communicated via some of the reports on social media. So if they go get a guy like, let's say, Kellen Moore, I don't know. There's no chance they would have actually gotten him, but just someone like that. Now, all of a sudden, 
if Matt Rule fails year three, you fire Matt Rule, you fire Phil Snow. You probably can't fire Scott Fitterer. I mean, you can't justifiably fire him after in just year two, I wouldn't think. So now you have another skeleton group because you also are holding on to an offensive coordinator. So the new head coach isn't really bringing in his staff. So I think that hiring a guy like like McAdoo or Jay Gruden actually made a lot of sense because there is the upside there for them to turn things around and fit in well, especially McAdoo because he has that connection with Matt Rule. Uh, where if they actually turn it around, you could feasibly see the offensive the offensive staff and the whole coaching staff melding together and working well. Where if you brought in some new face who was just a really a guy with a really good offensive coordinator mind. Now you're just filling in and trying to work around that where next year, David Tepper can make a clean sweep and just get rid of everybody. And then let the, let Scott Fitterer build the coaching staff he believes in. So I I'm okay with the hire in that sense, because McAdoo can comfortably be let go after one year and nobody's gonna be mad about it. Yeah. I mean, you can justifiably fire Scott Fitterer, by the way. Um, because he is at least partially, if not wholly, responsible for the fact that we are paying Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton, and Sam Darnold a combined, I think, $75 million. And only one of them is going to possibly play quarterback for the Panthers this year, and it's not Bridgewater or Newton. Uh, and we also have a first-round pick that's number six overall. And then we don't pick again until day three of the draft. So you can justifiably fire Scott Fitterer if this doesn't work out. Yeah, I, don't I mean, think, I, I don't think I he guess. should. I'm not. I'm not saying that he should. I, I think Scott Fitterer deserves the opportunity to hire his own head coach and bring in his own guys and see what he can do. Because we still don't know how much of Seattle's success is attributable to him, or if he was just the guy in the room while John Schneider was doing all the the legwork. Like, we don't know. And I I think he deserves an opportunity to either sink or swim. Um, But I do agree with you that if we fire Ben McAdoo tomorrow or the day after the season is over next year, nobody will bat an eye. And that makes him the perfect candidate for the job. Yeah, Scott Fitterer really hasn't had a chance to do the the coaching search at all because he was basically GM adjacent in, C- in Seattle. So very highly GM adjacent, but not the GM. So we'll see. I mean, I, I would be kind of upset if they let go of Fitterer because, I mean, despite the Sam Darnold trade, aside from that, I didn't hate any really anything else that he did. So, no, I mean, the roster in and of itself is okay. Like, we need a quarterback, but so do, like, 15 teams. Um Matt Rule is the guy that wanted Pat Elfline and Cam Irving. Like that was, he's he has admitted as such uh, on at twelve oh one a.m. on the day that free agency started. We signed those two dudes to deals, but um, like we have a good wide receiver group. If Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy, we have good running backs. We have decent tight ends. We probably need a veteran tight end. Um, we have pieces on the offensive line. We just don't have a whole offensive line. Uh, the defense looks good. So, like, we have talent. We just need a quarterback, and we need an offensive game plan that can score points. Yep. Um, let's move on, though, to the special teams uh, hire, whose name I don't know off the top of my head, so let me go look that up real quick. Chris Tabor. Chris Tabor. Chris yeah. Tabor. I couldn't. I couldn't remember his first name. I knew it was something Tabor. 
but he had a he he had a very successful group of uh special teams players in Chicago. I mean, he had two different he had two two uh kick returners make the pro bowl. Granted one of them was Cordell Patterson and the other one was uh uh the running back what's his name? Fuck. Um I don't think that was his name. Um <laughs> that was not his name. You talking about Tariq Tari- yeah. Cohen? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Who are good, who are obviously very good overall just people with the ball in their hands in space, but you know, you can't discount that. And obviously the Spans special teams really failed them last year at times. I mean, too many blocked punts. Obviously having Alex Erickson out there just fielding punts just to fair catch them, not ideal. So I'm a fan of the hire. I think that's a good one. I don't know what you guys think. John, what Chicago? Yeah, Chicago has been top 10 in DVOA, like special teams DVOA the last couple of years. And I yeah, think Brad's it, about to say. Yeah. It's the best hire we've made, like all off season. It's, you know, the Bears have a good special teams unit because of their special teams coach. And special teams is all about coaching up guys that are on the bottom half of your roster that that's the only reason they're there. Like, I mean, you're working with your like fourth, fifth, and sixth linebackers on the depth chart, those guys. So it's all about maximizing the talent that you have. And he appears to be very good at doing that. So I have no problems, complaints, or anything with this hire. I think it's a great hire, and I I hope it works out. I think we learned in the past, and I think this was a Ron Rivera thing, but where remember we had really, really bad special teams units in like the middle time during Ron Rivera's tenure. And then we went out and we had like an off season where we just signed like all of the best special teams players for free age at a free agency. Yeah. And, and then we still had terrible special teams. And I yeah. think that kind of like shows that. And then also just kind of like conceptually, like these guys on the bottom of the roster, it's a very fluid part of the roster. It's going to, they're going to be different people in those units week to week for the most part. A lot of it is just organization and discipline and coaching and scheming and stuff like that. It's it's scheme. You can't really afford with a salary cap now, uh, especially in a league where you, if you have a franchise quarterback, you have to pay him at least $40 million per year in cap space. You can't afford to pay guys just to play special teams. Like we, we did go out, we signed Ben Jacobs and there was another guy we signed. I can't remember his name now. Um, but we yeah, got, we got Colin Jones. And all Colin, jo- yeah. Well, Colin Jones, yeah. Colin Jones also played Nickelback and he also was a, a yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was not the reason, but yeah, yeah that's not the like, reason we signed but him. Though. I just he remember, did just fine. Okay, I just remember. <laughs> just I remember fine. if it was like probably was like 2016, 2017, around that time, where like everybody we signed is like this guy's a special teams ace, and it was just every free agent we signed. And then yeah, it did and they were nothing. still bad. It did yeah. nothing to affect the effectiveness of the special teams. So finally, we're going to try the, oh, let's get a coach who's actually good at coaching it strategy. So hopefully that'll work out. Interesting idea. Yeah. Also, Tabor was the assistant special teams coach back when the the Bears were like, really the Bears on special teams, like with Devin Hester and them. Yeah. Yeah, he's been with Chicago for a long time. Well, he took a little break to go to the Browns in between, but uh, yeah, he's... He's got a lot of Chicago is I think I kind of synonymous. Their special teams unit is kind of like what they're known for at this point because they're not good at anything else, and he's been around for a lot of that. So I think I think there's a good reason to be optimistic about that. Definitely. 
And lastly, as far as covering the coaching hires, I just want to touch on James Campen, who they hired as their offensive line coach, which is absolutely a very important coach because the Panthers' offensive line was shit last year. There's one position Um, group that needs coaching. It's the offensive line. Yeah. Second maybe to the quarterback, but yeah. Whether it was lack of talent, lack of scheme awareness, and all obviously the injuries that caused them to field multiple starting groups. So bringing in a guy who has a ton of experience. I mean, he spent 15 years at the Packers. Packers obviously had a pretty good offensive line for most of that time. Um, he was recently with the Texans, who the Texans very the Texans weren't good last year, but they played very they played much better than anybody would have expected based on the situation going on there. So that was a great hire, in my opinion. Obviously, they need to give him players to coach and not turn styles. But, you know, that's what free agency is for. Well, I also think we might find out if a lot of our problem on the offensive line is lack of quality coaching. Because we haven't had, like, talented, truly gifted, talented, quality offensive linemen since I would say since John Fox was here, but John Matsko got a lot out of that group that we had. And I mean, we went to the Super Bowl with Michael Orr, uh, Mike Rimmers, Byron Bell. Like, I mean, it's coaching has a lot to do with how good your offensive line is. So I think we might actually see some improvement, even if we don't, bring in a bunch of, of free agents or draft picks. I think a lot we'll of see. what, a lot of what I think the, un, like, I feel like, how do I just explain this coaching? I feel like at the professional level, isn't about like doing a lot of like teaching of like, this is where you place your hands. This is how you kick slide. This is like, you know, stuff like that. I mean, obviously there's part of that, but a lot of that stuff is kind of done, you know, development and like growing up but i think where coaches kind of do a better job getting the most out of the players is like how they set expectations how they communicate expectations how they hold players accountable and how they like connect with players and i think so like even if there isn't a massive change in talent you can still get a lot of different things out of players if they're more confident in their role and they're more clear in their role they're more clear in what they're supposed to be doing and you know that can turn around like overnight I would yeah. agree. I mean, we you can saw also times call, where... you can also call plays that don't set them up to fail. Yeah, like, that's what. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, use yeah, play that... action, use rollouts. Don't just do three step drops and get him get the quarterback killed. Like you know, tailor your offense to what you have. Yeah, like the talent discrepancies, <clears throat> like at that level, especially like after you get away from like the elite people at their position, like people forget that they're all professional athletes and they're all very, very close in talent. That's why bad teams beat good teams and stuff like that. So there really is a big weight in just kind of knowing how to get players to play to the best of their ability and play cohesively and stuff like that. And not saying that like these hires are going to do that for sure, but it's not like it's impossible for there to be a significant noticeable change in the quality of play, even if the personnel is similar. Yeah, I think one thing that would help too, and I don't know, I'm I'm guessing that Pat that Matt Paradis was probably part of this um, last year, but part of it would be if they're able to get someone at center 
on the offensive line who can actually call the protections because obviously Sam Darnold was not very good at reading defenses last year. I mean, he just wasn't. He wasn't yeah. even throwing the proper slant out route combinations he was supposed to. That's part of why Joe Brady got fired. Um, so I think that if they are able to bring in a center who can call the plays, that's something where that offensive line coach actually matters a lot because he can help. Obviously, he's coordinating with the center who's going to be calling protections, which is going to overall impact the offense as far as pass protection every game. So, well, I guess really we depends on what they do that there. Pat Elfline can do it because he's probably going to be the center. I think we'll that's see. why we signed him. I, I think that's why we signed him. We signed him to play guard, but to move over to center because Paradis was going to be gone. And now we have a guy that will be a, a starting center, but he can also play guard if we need him to. So I, I think that's where we're going to go. Well, I mean, Elf Plyne played better at center than guard. I mean, it wasn't He's much a, better, He is but... a much better center than guard, and it's a lot easier to find a guard – as, as a UDFA, it's easier to find a guard than a center. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. So we'll see. I mean, it really just depends on how they approach free agency, especially, I mean, there's so much up in the air with that. Like, are they going to re-sign Hassan Reddick? Are they going to bring back some of the other pieces? Are they going to bring back <laughs> Stefan Gilmore? Well, I like Hassan Reddick, but also they need to ha- to add some more beef on the outside too. Like, no, Brian it, Burns and Hassan Reddick on the outside is not good because they're going to get stonewalled and run and run support all the time. So that's my thoughts. It's on a it passing league. You've got to rush the passer. Now, I'm I not agree. saying give him 10 years, $400 million or anything, but if they don't More like at least eight years, $300 million, eight years, 300, if they don't at least try to keep him, then I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, know. I mean, I think he was important enough. I feel like, I mean, I know Brian Burns is the pro. I feel like you could, like, make a case that he was our best defender last year. He was. I honestly don't understand how Brian Burns made the Pro Bowl and Reddick didn't. I was very like, surprised by that, too. Yeah, like, I Redick, figured it, you know, I could see Reddick making it and Burns not. But yeah. I, I just didn't understand how Reddick didn't make it. Yeah, Reddick not even, He wasn't even an alternate. Yeah, he had more sacks and he was coming off, like, the big season last year. To like be that was so he was already on the radar. Well, Burns has been kind of like slowly creeping up to that point. Burns has been the king of I almost got there. Yeah, like if if you could track the stat for he almost got a sack on that play, he would be like the next Reggie White because <laughs> he is really good at being a split second late and not quite getting there in time. He's, he's good at the hurries, not the sacks. He's good at the hurries. Yeah. Which is important because it makes the other quarterback make a mistake. But you know, I, I just I don't I don't see how we don't at least try to keep Hassan Reddick. I mean, we let Dante Jackson walk. He's got he's gone. Uh, he's not going to be worth the money that somebody's going to pay him. And we should try to keep um, Gilly Locke, and we should try to keep Reddick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my only thought was just. If they're going to do that, they need to find a way to find another Yeter Gross Matos just because I don't like the the edges being run by those two. But Oh, we can get one of those in the draft. Uh, what, with our fourth-round pick? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, why not? I mean, right. Gross Matos was a second-rounder. Like, it's not... We also still have Gross Matos. 
Yeah, and we also still have gross <laughs> mottos. Yeah, well, so I'm that's saying we need important. another one. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Well. All right. Maybe I'm crazy. Wait, would you, but anyway. Well, wait, wait, with with that. Wait, with that. Are you saying like both of those? You don't want either like either one of them on the field at the same time. That no, there I, needs to I be another end. I just want another end that can lock down the edge because they can't because. Burns and Reddick were both getting punished towards, especially in those games like against the Cowboys. They were both getting punished by teams that were really running the ball against them. Because Burns, like Burns and Reddick, both need to add like 15 pounds if they really want to be like all around edge defenders in the NFL. So that's just where I'm at. Like I was getting really tired of watching the team get run down like crazy because the only real beef they had was in the middle with two defensive tackles, and that was it. Why are you skinny shaming them? Because that's that's how scouting works, Brad. I didn't know you were a scout. Yeah, I mean, I I would say I am. Oh, okay, cool. I mean, I told I told you guys things earlier. What merit badges do you have? I have a scouting merit badge. <laughs> Twitter scouting merit badge. Is oh, okay, a twi- okay, a verified Twitter scouting merit badge. Okay. Yeah. Well, hey, I'll tell you where we could probably find some edge prospects. The Senior Bowl is this weekend. (laughs) Yay. Yay. There's at least one, one, at least one, like, 270-pound defensive end to make. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure there is one. Doesn't matter how good he is. I just want a guy who can just, like, stand there and, like, the offensive linemen are just struggling to move him. Like he's not actually doing anything. They're so why don't we just put Derek Brown at defensive end? Because then we don't have Derek Brown in the middle, Brad. This is what scouting's all about. <laughs> oh, okay. Why don't we just draft another defensive tackle and make him a defensive? Yeah, end? we could just. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you do have to. Six. Um, one we thing do we do Fox. have to remember, like all kidding aside, um, Davion Nixon will be coming back from injured reserve. Yeah. And he's flexible. Like I feel like that injury was actually like I don't think people realize how bad that was for the defensive line. Like he was yeah. actually playing really well. Yeah. So I, um, but I I do agree. I think we should look at other defenders, edge defenders, to beef up the run defense because the run defense is terrible, um, or at least it was last year. Um, but for those of you who are interested in it, the Senior Bowl is on Saturday at two thirty p.m. Uh, you can only see it on NFL Network. As far as I know, it will not be streamed. It might be on NFL.com, but I don't know for sure. Do not hold me to that. It did not say that it would be. Um, but that's a good way to see some prospects that we may or may not pick because we don't have a pick in the second or third round. So we're going to take a bunch of these guys that are lower on the, the prospect list that try to make a name for themselves at the Senior Bowl. Yep. And potentially yeah, see the next great Panthers quarterback. And we could potentially see Panthers quarterback Kenny Pickett or Panthers quarterback Malik Willis or Panthers quarterback Sam Howell in action. That We should draft Sam Howell at number six just to make everybody mad. Drafting Kyle Hamilton, it's happening. I don't know why. I don't think we're drafting there. Kyle Hamilton. Um, but the reason I don't think we are is because I don't think he will be there. I think he will be a top five pick. He should be, but no, it's happening. 
I think the Jets are going to take him because they don't need a quarterback. Uh, they can get an offensive lineman or something. They, they need uh, that. Their, their, their coach wants to rebuild the, the, the defense. I think they'll draft Kyle Hamilton. Uh, they can get an edge rusher then. It's fine. Yeah, they can. Yeah. <laughs> I think the edge rushers are going one and two overall. That's fine. Yeah, the, the two uh, Hutchinson the and Thibodeau. Hutchinson and Thibodeau. That's I think that's I think Hutchinson and Thibodeau are going to be in the top three picks, probably one and two, unless the Lions decide to take a quarterback. And I think Kyle Hamilton will go to the Jets. We'll see. I've been right on many of my draft predictions, Brad, over the last you have. few years. You yeah. have. I mean, for the chaos aspect, I hope you're right. I will not lie. I mean, Jeremy Chin, J.C. Horn, Kyle Hamilton. I mean, to be honest, that that would be a legit secondary, uh, but teams would run for 300 yards a game on us. But, you know, and we would score like we would score like nine points a game. (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, but the defense would be great. The secondary would be fun to watch. You draft Kyle Hamilton, you sign Hassan Reddick, you find another beefy defensive lineman to pair with uh Gross Matos, you're probably okay on defense. I mean, fuck the offense, but the defense will be good. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See? We have the two thousand Ravens defense with the two thousand and ten Panthers offense. We'll win like six games. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> Speaking of the 2000s Ravens, Man. because they won a Super Bowl. Let's talk about that Super Bowl. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have one more thing about the Panthers real quick before we talk about good teams. Okay. I'm looking at like our like off season positioning is awful. I know we already know that's not news, but I was just like kind of looking at it again. Like we don't have that much cap space and we have like no way to get more cap space. That's not true. No, we could cut players. Yeah, but not, not there are not a lot of options. Extensions. Yeah, but we, yeah, we can do that kind of stuff. But I'm just kind of like looking at the quick. Usually, there's like a couple quick, like, oh yeah, this guy's got huge cap savings if you cut him, and there are like none of those. All of the guys no, that I mean, we could do that to, if I remember right, I haven't looked at the cap in a while, but it's guys like Christian McCaffrey where you have to do it next mm-hmm. off season. Like you can't do it this off season. Yeah, like you, no, you could mean, save like a bunch to- if we cut like Shaq and like made it post June first, or like Robbie Anderson. We could, but like. No, that might actually happen. Yeah, we could do post. We could save five million dollars by designating Robbie Anderson a post June one cut. I know a way to save us seventeen million dollars, and that is to give Sam Darnold an extension. Yeah, let's Taysom Hill, Sam Darnold. He can be <laughs> with a big signing bonus and a base give salary a of like year, the minimum thirty-eight million dollar per year <laughs> extension that doesn't have any money attached to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
just spread that exactly. all out. Yeah. Yep. I'm a genius, guys. I mean, Panthers fans will hate it, and they'll probably stop being fans if they actually give Sam Darnold an extension. But that is a way to clear cap space. Yeah, because they would you. have to make fans okay with it. They would have to come out and admit that why they're, they're basically cooking the books, like they're doing it yeah. just to create cap space, and you can't admit that out loud. I mean, the Saints have been doing it for years. It's fine. Yeah, but they don't admit it out loud. They just they deny it out loud. They're just like, oh yeah, no, we were just we just wanted no, no, to. No, we, we believe just... in Taysom Hill. Like, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> or they have to give up draft capital to get rid of Sam Darnold. To, to That's what point, they're right? going to have to do. They're going to have to give somebody a a future second round pick to take Sam Darnold to and point, absorb Brad, the cap. Yeah, to your point, the Panthers have like seventeen million dollars in cash space going into this offseason uh, right now. And then next offseason, they go into the, like, obviously, pending what they do this offseason, they have $110 million in cap space. Yeah, we have no players, though. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it's just funny that it's like, it's like, this team's like constructed for like next year to be the year. Like, if you were basing it off of like the assets we have available, you would think like this year, this past season, and next season were like the window, so to speak, because we have like no draft picks and no salary cap space, and we are still bad. Yeah. Oh, maybe David Tepper will pay uh, Matt Rule 100k to each for each loss next year. You know, and, uh, Matt Rule is probably looking at those allegations like, "Wait, they got paid." <laughs> <laughs> I saw a meme. I saw that meme that was like, uh, "Brian Flores said he got paid 100,000 for losses," and Hugh Jackson like, "I did the same thing." Which I'm also not convinced that Hugh Jackson didn't just make that up after he. Heard well, Brian he Flores he totally it. made that up. <laughs> yeah, he totally made that up. <laughs> and then yeah. it's like Adam Gase is like, "Wait, you guys are getting paid." Yeah, <laughs> um, but no, I absolutely, especially given Hugh Jackson's the kind of the other uh, stuff he said that's not always entirely believable. I 100, I'm not convinced that he didn't just be like, that is a great idea. I don't know why I didn't think of that sooner. I totally also got paid to lose games, guys. Yeah. Speaking of Brian Flores, I want to touch on that real quick. I'm not going to I'm not going to say he's right or he's wrong because I don't know if he's been discriminated yeah. against. I don't I don't know. Uh, I hope that he's not making this up. I don't think he is. I have no reason mm -hmm. to believe he is. Um, but I feel terrible for Brian Flores because if he is, if his allegations are true, he was offered a hundred thousand dollars per loss to lose to tank. And he said no, because he didn't want to harm the integrity of the game. And then he had back-to-back -back winning seasons and then got blackballed and kicked out for winning too much, essentially. And then the the text message with Bill Belichick is probably the wildest ride. That's pretty damaging evidence. But I I have never felt so much pain for a guy that I don't know who is way better off than me but when he texted with Belichick and Belichick said, um, I, I've heard that it's yours if you want it. And he said, I interview Thursday. I think I have a really good shot at it. Yeah. Like my heart broke for that guy because <laughs> yeah, he legitimately thought he had a shot. And then in the most Bill Belichick way possible, he's like, 
wait, are you talking to Brian Flores or Brian Dayball? And then Bill's like, oh, shit, I fucked this up. I'm sorry. I like, I like that he said that, too. He's like, oh, shit, I fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, first of all, Bill, you need to put Brian F and Brian D in the phone there. If you know more than one person named Brian, because Brian is a pretty common name. You got to go. There's a Brian full. on here now. It, my thing is, you got to go full first name, last name for like Put all your full contacts. names on there. Yeah, especially especially in the contacts list yeah. when you're an NFL coach. Yeah. Or not, just not put Flores or Dayball. Don't even put Brian. Just put Flores, <laughs> Dayball, whatever. But man, I feel bad for Brian Flores because he's a good a coach. Of, I saw a lot of racial of racial memes that were funny. Unfortunately, about that, and I'm not there's, going to state them, but feel free to go look for them. But they were there's a lot of uh, but I I feel like I didn't read the whole thing, but there's a lot uh of smoke there with, you know, like you said, getting basically getting paid to lose and then getting fired after they he was too good of a coach to lose games. Um, the Bill Belichick texts are pretty kind of are pretty suggestive of a team that knew what they wanted to do but had to satisfy the Rooney Rule. And so they interviewed Brian Flores with no chance, which is just kind of like insulting and condescending. It's 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 and, bullshit. And I mean, I we've we've talked about this before. That's the the downside to the Rooney rule. Like when you put yeah. a rule in that you have to interview minorities, teams are just going to interview them just to satisfy the requirement. Even if, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm sorry, a joke but out of it. just to, it makes a joke out of it. And I'm sorry, but there is no way you can convince me that Brian Flores does not deserve to be an NFL head coach. He does. He does. I honestly yeah. would fire Matt rule and hire Brian Flores today. And well, since the rest of the NFL take, sucks, yeah, he'll I mean, probably taking, still be around next year. Yeah. I mean, taking my, my personal feelings about the job Matt rule does aside, Brian Flores is a better head coach than Matt rule. Yeah. I don't know. Demonstrably. Yeah, I don't know. How you you can can't argue, against, argue that against that. Like, look at their win-loss record. You can't, you can't argue that. But, I mean, I felt bad for for Flores, especially when you, you see, like, at the beginning of the messages, he's like, "Yeah, coach, I think I got a shot." And then when Bill says, "I'm sorry, I fucked this up," he goes, "Thanks, Bill." Like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. damn, like he went from oh, coach to Bill yeah, like, immediately. <laughs> You're not coach anymore. You're just like, Bill. Wow. One I mean, it thing. wasn't. It wasn't. It was Bill. It was an honest mistake on Bill's part. Like, I don't think any of this is an indictment. No, Bill. On Bill, Bill is not being. Uh, it's a, he's it's not, an indictment on Bill's ability to be careful with his texting. Yeah. The, well, yeah. The thing I don't understand when Bill said he, um, he saw that 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 Brian was going to be the guy. Did he read that? that he read that Brian Dayball was going to be hired and he thought that it said Brian Flores or like, what did he screw up? Like, did he, he 100% was, text the wrong person? Did he text so, the wrong guy or did he read the report wrong? You know, well, like uh, he way, text, the he big Bill the Belichick, Bill Belichick phrased it. Like I read it as the wrong guy, but it's probably that he, texted the wrong person yeah see that's what i don't i i think that's what it is too but the way he i mean it could just be because he's smart because he's bill belichick but he <laughs> he's phrased it like he thought that brian he he mistakenly yeah. read brian flores when it was brian dayball 
Yeah, he like, said, no, the way he says, the way he explained himself was he like, my bad, he was basically like, my bad, I misread, I thought it was you, it was the other Brian. Yeah. But I when in reality, I think it's he texted the wrong Brian. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's an well, easy mistake to make, especially when you get on, go into the message, because then all you see is like the B or something, or Brian. You don't see yeah. the full yeah, name. Yeah, that's his own fault for not having last names in his contact list. Well, no, <laughs> even if you have the full name in there, you don't always see the last name. When you're like, like in one, the message, once you once you started typing the message, yeah. yeah. One uh one other thing on that to kind of make it to bring it back to the Panthers a little bit. The other thing I saw in his suit had to do with Steve Wilkes. Yeah, former Panthers like uh, secondary coach, assistant head coach, and defensive coordinator. Oh yeah, defensive he was coordinator. I forgot yeah. he was defensive coordinator for a little bit. Uh, and he got hired by the Cardinals, and he got, he was given one year with rookie Josh Rosen as his quarterback, and then was fired. And then Cliff Kingsbury gets the job, has pretty much the same record in his one year, and basically gets allowed to continue on. Yeah, they set Wilkes up to fail. And then I think you could also say the same kind of thing with David Culley in Houston. Oh, he was absolutely a fall guy. Yeah, so. I mean, David Culley deserves to have a job, too, because he turned Davis Mills into an actual serviceable, decent quarterback, like. The, the, the Texans were playing better as mm. the year went on. Like Davis Mills, he's not Peyton Manning or anything, but he's decent. Like he's at least good enough to be a backup somewhere on a good team. And David Culley gets fired. I mean, we have um, Marvin Lewis claims that his interview before we hired John Fox was a sham interview. Sure it was. I'm sure it was too. I mean, that was back when Jerry Richardson on the team. So, uh, but I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't the case. Yeah. But there are plenty of of black coaches that deserve to be head coach, like Eric Bieniemy. The Chiefs are the best offensive juggernaut of the last 15 years. Nobody will touch Eric Bieniemy with a 10 foot pole. Now yeah, I know Matt we Nate. have Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Nagy got a job real quick. Yeah, exactly. I know B enemy has some past when he was a college kid stuff and that could be part of it. But I think there's I mean, NFL coaches that have way worse things. On there's there. NFL coaches that have way worse stuff going on. I mean, I, Urban there Meyer just are got a job last. Urban Meyer got a job. Urban Meyer <laughs> was a disaster. Uh, Byron Leftwich is withdrawing from being considered for the Jaguars job. Now, I think that's partially because he doesn't want to work with Trent Balky. Uh, and it's also Bruce Arians is probably going to retire next year. And Byron Leftwich will probably get that job to replace Bruce Arians because he's already there. Like he's already their offensive coordinator. Yeah, just a promotion. So just a promotion from within is the easiest way to get. It. And I would rather be Bruce Arians' offensive coordinator than be the Jaguars head coach. <laughs> like I just. You know, it's like D'Amico Ryans is a up up and coming guy, but he decided himself to stay in San Francisco for another year. There are plenty of guys that are not getting the opportunities they deserve for, quite frankly, shitty coaches that don't deserve to be hired. Yeah. Uh, like Matt Nagy. I mean, he got fired, but like Matt Nagy does not deserve to be an NFL head coach. Uh, Josh McDaniels, how many times has he bailed on a team that hired him? Well, he was the head coach of the Broncos, was not good, and then he bailed on the Colts and the Raiders yeah, were like, this I mean, is our guy. He, Yeah, like, why Why would you not just 
hire somebody else who's probably more deserving. Um, Jim Caldwell, he is one of the only guys that had winning records with the Lions. He doesn't Dang. have a job. And it's just there's coach after coach after coach, and it's it's a shame. Yeah, it's hard to like quantify those things, but I feel like you could pretty easily make like an anecdotal argument where compare and contrast, like you can pretty where you could probably make a pretty clear case that's like there's clearly a different standard here. Yeah. Yeah. Where... You can't tell me that of the thirty two jobs that are NFL head coaches that only one being a black guy and only one being a Hispanic guy. And as far as I, I think Robert Sala is Lebanese. So there's three yeah. non white guy head coaches in the league. You can't yeah. tell me that those 29 people are the 29 best coaches. Yeah. Because they're especially, not. Especially, and they just like, again, to kind of like, you know, <clears throat> use this kind of anecdotal thing. Like, I think you would probably say the two most surprising and undeserving fires from this past off season. Like, what do they have in common? Yeah, it was exactly. Like, they were both like, the two black guys. Yeah, and but, and so I think it's very it's very it's very frustrating to see. And I don't know how you really could argue otherwise that like it's this is not a thing that's happening because I think it's yeah pretty like with obvious. the Dolphins if if Adam Gase had never left Miami. And he had the exact same situation and record as Brian Flores. He would still be there. Mm-hmm. He would not have been fired. Yeah, you would. You would think. Like, I mean, I feel like you would think the vast majority of coaches with that situation. I mean, like, and I'm, like, I'm look how thinking. long it took Matt Nagy to get fired. Yeah, how long has at, he been awful? Well, they were all right the year before, but like. I'm thinking, like you said, like Jim Caldwell with the Lions. They were, what, like in the playoffs, like three of the four years he was there. Yeah. And then they're like, and it's the Lions who are awful. And they're like, mm, not good enough. He yeah, went let's hire 11, Matt Patricia. He went 11 and 5, 7 and 9, 9 and 7, 9 and 7. He had a winning record three out of four years. And they're like, get out of here. And yeah. then. Then they hired then Matt also, Patricia and he won, what, five games the whole time he was there? Something like that. Uh, thinking also like uh, Lovey Smith with the Bears. Like, yeah, that's another guy that got a raw deal. Yeah, going to the plate, like consistently winning. I mean, I guess he was there for a while, so you can kind of do the whole like time for a cha- like time for something fresh, like a fresh face, something new. But yeah, like, like Marvin Lewis, to me, Marvin Lewis was one of the only ones who didn't really get a raw deal. Like he was there yeah. for 15 years and they never won a playoff <laughs> game. Like, yeah. He, you kind of have to move on at some point there. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's just, it's just one of those things where it feels like, you know, I, you could probably on a substantially higher percentage of coaches that are minorities getting, being like surprising fires or like, wow, they fired this guy with a winning record or they fired this guy that was doing well. Then you can find of white coaches. And then the white coaches keep coming back, like Josh McDaniels and John Gruden, and you now we have Ben McAdoo back in here, stuff like that. Yeah, 
Well, <laughs> oh yeah, the Super Bowl though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> might as, might as well jump on that real quick before we uh, end off the show. So we got the Bengals and we got the Rams. Can't really say I hate either hate either team, to be honest. I don't. I I'm actually looking forward to this game because I like to watch both of these teams play, and it's. I'm just glad that that the Buccaneers aren't in it, and I'm glad that someone other than the Chiefs are in it. Yeah, I'm really excited that it's just like something different. Like it's different. There's no, yeah, there's no red. There's no red team in the Super Bowl, and uh, it's like two teams that like. I mean, under the Rams were there not too long ago, but they're they're like a modern team, and they're kind of it's just a different look, I guess, to the whole right the whole thing. I'm rooting for the I'm I'm rooting for the Rams because I'm rooting for Matthew Stafford. But I also wouldn't be upset if the Bengals win. Like I legitimately don't care who wins the game. Yeah, I I don't either. It's it, I would be happy either way. I'm honestly I'm more pumped for the halftime show than I am anything else, <laughs> to be honest. The the only thing that I'm thinking is that like and this is obviously way way premature but joe burrow i'm getting like tom brady vibes from so i feel like we're gonna be like rooting for joe burrow and then like we're gonna fast forward 15 years but god this joe burrow guy yeah, i hate stop I hate this games. guy yeah but we just <laughs> just like with his like his demeanor and how like respected he is by his teammates and stuff obviously tom brady's tom brady but like i would not be surprised if we're here like i said we're having this conversation and 15 years being like Joe Burrow's got to stop winning games. It's so annoying. The new yeah. ruler of the AFC. Well, Patrick I mean, the AFC, too, but... the AFC is freaking stacked, man. They got Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. And then there's a possibility that Aaron Rodgers might go to Denver. I mean, Justin it, Herbert is Justin young Herbert and probably going to be there. Good. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good players in the AFC. Yeah. It's a, uh... The, yeah, the quarterback, the the quarterbacks, and Lamar. Lamar, yeah, didn't even talk about Lamar. Um, but like, yeah, it, it's the AFC's definitely got the mantle right now of like, this is where all the quarterbacks are because the NFC's pretty, pretty bare. Yeah, I mean they got Carson Wentz. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> young superstar Carson Wentz. Yeah. Um. <laughs> The only thing I'm not looking forward to with the Super Bowl is Chris Collinsworth is color commentary. So we're going to hear literally every single story he has oh, about when I he played for the Bengals. Think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I almost wish they would just take him off of coverage and put Drew Brees in there just so we don't have to, like, make him the ambassador for the Bengals or something. <laughs> just so we don't have to listen to him talk about playing with Ken Anderson in 1981. Like nobody cares. Like half the people watching the game weren't even alive in 1981. We're going to get Chris Collinsworth, like actively cheering in the booth. Oh, he's probably going to wear his fucking Jersey. Like he'll be in his Bengals Jersey. If if they make it very like sentimental and like, Hey guys, remember Chris Collinsworth paid for the Bengals uh, repeatedly. Then yeah, that'll be annoying. Now, if Chris Collinsworth starts like actively rooting for the Bengals and like hating on the Rams, that then I'm going to be all for that. He's going to be the next. Be he's going to be the Joe Buck of the bro, of the broadcast. 100%. Yeah, he's going to try so hard to not be impartial, that, <laughs> to be impartial that he's just going to be boring. 
<laughs> but see, I want him to lean into it. Like I don't know. If I do too. I want him to Bengals. openly root for the Bengals and root against the Rams. Yeah, which I don't know. People probably wouldn't like that if they were if they had a rooting interest in the Rams, which who does? But I think it would Matthew be really Stafford. funny. Did Lions fans do because of Matthew Stafford? To me, yeah. that's people who were already Rams fans and people who are Matthew Stafford or Lions fans. Those are the only people rooting for the Rams. Yeah. But I feel like, I don't know, maybe it'd be annoying watching the Super Bowl, but I think it'd be really funny if a national TV broadcaster was like, just really? openly rooting. Yes. Yeah. Like you can hear him like groaning when like the Rams make a big play. Yeah. Or like like Cooper Cup gets open deep. They're like, you have to cover that guy. You don't what have are you to cover doing? what is wrong with you. What was the defense doing? Yeah, like, <laughs> he just turns into a fan. You hear him like yeah. smack the table or something. God, that would like, be great. <laughs> score a touchdown. Al Michaels telling him to calm down. Like, dude. Yeah, I'm I'm here for that. Got to remain professional there, Chris. <laughs> he gets replaced with Boomer Esiason halfway through the game. Uh, they like or they turn Sims. <laughs> they, like you know, you know, like the color commentator will usually like pause to the or the yeah the play by game will pause so like the analyst can like analyze the play. He's like, I don't want to talk about it. Just whenever like the Rams <laughs> on, to the, on to the next play. Get yeah. get get back on the get the get the game Stop. back on. Get get this replay off my screen. Get this out of my face. As you can see, Cooper Cup was wide open because our secondary fucking sucks. <laughs> yes. That's, that's what I want. Chris Collinsworth should be on the broadcast. <laughs> so anyway, scoring predictions for the Super Bowl. Oh, man. Brad. Oh, oh. Uh, well, okay, I'll give you mine. Um, <laughs> well, I, no, I got mine. I, I post guess random numbers. It doesn't take long. random numbers, Brian. Damn. I'm going to say 33 to 28. I think the Rams are going to win the game. It's going to be a good game, though. I think it's going to be back and forth. Okay. I just hope it is. I hope we don't have another, like, what was it, 13 to 9 the last yeah, the time the Rams, Rams were in the Super Bowl? God, I hope yeah. we don't have another one of those. Funny enough, that was going to be my guess. Uh, of course it four, is. 14 yeah. to 9 Rams. <laughs> I feel like, I wonder if, like, because the whole playoffs have been so crazy, it wouldn't it be so fitting if the whole NFL season just ends on a complete dud of a game? That would be after great. The, after the last two weeks have basically been nothing but last second field goals. Yeah. Um. I mean, Joe Burrow and or not Joe Burrow, uh, Aaron Donald and Von Miller are gonna fucking Cam Newton the shit out of Matt Stafford in that game. Or, wrong, or, uh, why would they? Team. Why would they wrong do that person. to their own quarterback? I, I mean, <laughs> Joe, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow got sacked like nine times by the Chiefs, and they still figured it out. So no, it was the, it was the Titans that he got sacked by nine times. Okay, and they won that game. The Bengals, the Bengals, the one thing that the the Rams do have an advantage over the Bengals, the Bengals' offensive line is putrid. Like it's a miracle that Joe Burrow can still play at this point. Can still. Well, I've been told that the quarterback can't be good if the offensive line is bad. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, they have needed last-second field goals to win. So yeah, just something that you know, just to again tie this back to the Panthers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No way a quarterback, no way a quarterback can concede can succeed behind a shaky offensive line. Not no Did way, we win any no Super Bowls with a sh- with a shaky offensive line, John? Uh, we haven't won a Super Bowl with a good offensive line either, Brian. Well, exactly. to be fair, we've never had one, so I don't. We were also closer to winning a Super Bowl with a good offensive line, so. But Get did fucked. we win? We didn't. People, people go to the Hall of Fame to look at all the teams that almost won Super Bowls. Yep. There actually should be a wing of the Hall of Fame with all the Super Bowl losers in it. 
That's sad. Oh, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> just go to the Wikipedia article for Super Bowls and just look at all the teams in red. <laughs> anyway, John, what do you think is going to happen? Oh, I didn't say it yet, did I? Uh, let's go with... I, I kind of want the Bengals to win, but I'll do Rams 20... Rams 32, Bengals 29. That's the Panthers Super Bowl score, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, let's do that. And it was like 20... It was like 17 to 17 at the start of the fourth quarter. It was somehow it ended, ended up with 32. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the uh, the Chiefs and the Ra- or the Chargers and the Raiders game at the in week 17 or week 18, and everybody was rooting for the tie, and it ended up like the scores ended up like off. So it was like, yeah, well, there's no way this game's going to be a tie because like the Raiders were winning by like five or something. And, and then, then it was. And then a quarter yeah. later, it's like, wait, how is this game tied? Like, how did this yeah. math happen? So, yeah. Yeah. And then Brandon Staley ruined everything <laughs> by calling that timeout. I love that people legitimately think the NFL was rigged for that if that game ended in a tie. Like, yeah. They would the have NFL... never been able to explain that it wasn't rigged if they would have legitimately tied. But there's like, but the, the thing that I always talk about with like these conspiracies is like, yeah, NFL totally conspiring to get the Steelers out of the playoffs in favor of the yeah. Chargers. In favor of the Chargers. Who, yeah. Full of a soccer stadium with their home fans. Like, <laughs> well, the only reason I would say that it's possible is because SoFi Stadium hosted the Super is hosting the Super Bowl. So if the Chargers made the playoffs, that meant that there was the mathematical possibility that the Chargers and Rams would play in the Super Bowl. That is totally worth like that's uh, totally risking. worth ruining, risking <laughs> your entire reputation, the largest <laughs> fan base in the entire league. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, just like also the players are just good enough to execute the game that way. Like, yeah, we're just going to set this up that you guys are going to make like four consecutive field goals, long field goals to keep the game tied. Better do that perfect or this whole plan just goes out the window. Hey, scared money don't make money. That is true. <laughs> it don't. Scared money also doesn't wouldn't make money. Brave money wouldn't have made money in this circumstance either. Like, there's no benefit to that at all. No, that was the bravest money. <laughs> It just failed. Yeah, but that was that was really that was that was really funny uh, for me to see, which is also frustrating that people are just like that lacking in critical thinking skills. But you know, also kind of funny to see people think like, yeah, the NFL is totally rigging this for no apparent reason other than I just can't believe that something this unlikely would happen. Well, yeah, the Steelers. I mean, there are them. people who think that the NFL is going to start rigging it to where whoever hosts the Super Bowl gets to play in it, because now <laughs> we've had it two years in a row. Because <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, it makes such a su- significant difference in like yeah. the amount of run money, the revenue, or the amount of revenue the NFL generates. Because like I'm sure the Super Bowl was going to struggle last year if it didn't have the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Otherwise, it would have been an empty stadium. Yeah. Same thing with L.A. No, no way you could fill up a stadium in L.A. If the whole no, game wasn't not, not for the biggest game of the year in all yeah. of sports. No. Thing that has like a, literally a billion people watch it. Yeah, no way. Yeah, no way. No way. <laughs> Even if somehow they couldn't make those ticket sales, they still make a fuck ton of money. So, yeah, whatever. It's fine, though. But I think that's where we we wrap up. Is there anything else we want to add here? Well, the Bengals are going to win the game because we all pick the Rams. Well, yeah, um, ab- absolutely. Yes. <laughs> You're welcome, Cincinnati. Yeah. 
are your cat your cat brothers are are here for you. So Queen win City this game. Yeah, we're, we're, we're we're contractually obligated to root for the Bengals, aren't we? Because the cat bro. We sure are. Status. And the Queen City thing. Yeah, and the Queen City thing. Queen City cats. Yeah. We're all cat people. Go Bengals. Go Bengals. Scratch and claw your way to your first Super Bowl, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, from all of us here at the Se- the Keep Sounding podcast, this is Brian, joined by Brad and John, as always. We'll be here with you in the offseason as the Panthers continue to make just the biggest moves that we all love, the biggest splashes that we all enjoy. We'll, ha- we'll be here to cover it for you. So. Stay tuned, stay safe, stay healthy, and if we don't talk to you beforehand, enjoy the Super Bowl. Yep. Later.